He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you in uh, another gorgeous morning in the hill country. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Right now, there is a press conference going on that the Democrats are putting on in uh, the Texas House. um, And for the upcoming um, uh, floor vote today on different immigration um, uh, different immigration issues. And so I want you to just, I'm just going to dip into this right now and see what's happening. Rooted in racism and the vilification of immigrants are coming to this country to seek shelter. Instead of passing these bills, the legislature should focus on humanitarian efforts. These bills are nothing but hate, racist, and unconstitutional. Please vote no on hate. Thank you for your time, and I'll say something really quick in Spanish. Mi nombre es Ana Gonzalez. Uh, All right, there you go. I'm not sure if you could hear that. I think the volume is so low on that. It's hard for me to tell on this end, so I'm not going to stay there very much longer. But basically, they've got a bunch of Democrats lined up. I think, I think, I think all of them have fairly normal colored hair, except for that one back there standing in the left. Um, and, uh, but the, uh, what, uh, when the, uh, the, the opening for the show was going on and you're getting a little bit of who there I'm listening. And, uh, this, uh, representative is saying that if this bill passes, it's going to be nothing but death and destruction in the end of the world in the state of Texas. And so, um, oh, Harley said the volume was good. Let's go back and see if we can't get some of that. All right, that's for our uh, Hispanic, uh, our Spanish speakers out there, um, and uh, I could probably understand that if I concentrated. You know, I spoke, uh, I lived in South America for three years, and my Spanish is pretty good. Let's see who this is. Good morning, is. and thank you for being here, and thank you to all the representative and advocates here fighting on behalf of the immigration uh, immigrants across Texas. I am Luis Figueroa. I'm the uh, Chief of Legislative Affairs for Every Texan. And I, we believe at Every Texan that every Texan across every region of Texas deserves a fair and humane immigration process. That fair and humane immigration process deserves comprehensive reform. What it doesn't de- deserve is an enforcement-only policy that does not work. Since 1996, we have tried to do enforcement only. We have increased penalties. We have taken away benefits. We are now spending $5.1 billion on Operation Lone Star and Border Security. We're adding another $1.5 billion potentially on a bill today related to border wall construction. This does not work, and it does not work in a state-by-state process. We have already seen news accounts of fencing being built along the New Mexico-Texas border because, as you might expect, migrants may come across a different state and then enter Texas through a, a, um, t- a state next by. So, therefore, it shows that this is not an effective policy, nor is it a... 
All right, so I'm getting texts that say the volume is too low. I'm getting texts that say the volume is just fine. I don't know what to say, but um, here's what's important. Uh, Today on the House floor, there's going to be voting. Um, I've got the calendar in front of me. Um, They're going to convene at 10 Um, o'clock. Today, I think, is a good day for if you haven't ever tuned in, to watch the video broadcast from the House floor. Today is going to be a good day. Um, and how do you do that? You go to the TL, what we call TLO, Texas Legislature Online. You want to go to capital.texas.gov. That is an O in capital and an O in gov. And uh, then if you will go up to, if you want to see on the home page, this will be the landing page where you get to when you go to capital dot texas dot gov depending on how your screen is set up on some of my computers it's over on the right hand side on this computer it's right down the middle is a a gray light gray blue uh a rectangle um the top of it says access mobile version of tlo um by the way that's a terrible uh mobile version um, and uh, but then underneath that it says legislative activity uh, video broadcasts. Click on Senate, and it'll take you over there. Uh, no, not Senate. Dope, dope. No Senate hearings today. If you clicked on Senate, you'd go over there and find out nothing was happening in the Senate today because that's uh, they already did their job. Um, on the video broadcast on Wednesday, you will see there right now that in progress is the um, uh, uh, the uh, press conference on immigration legislation being sponsored by Representative Victoria Nieve Criado. Um, and uh, so you can hear uh, their, their discussion, the Democrats' discussion on that. And then you'll notice at 10 a.m., the third called session is going to um, uh, light up. There's no... Uh, there's no buttons to push or anything. Uh, the channel it has there is just for the capital, so don't be looking for channel 276.1 on your TV or your computer. It'll be right there on this screen. In fact, if you want to practice now, you can go over and click in, and you will hear the uh, the um, uh, in progress, the, um, uh, the, uh, the press conference. Let's see if this lady's louder. Movements and services came out. Nah, they're barely moving the needle. Needle. So, the um, got to figure out a way to pump up the volume on that because the the where they have the press conference is in a really small room, and so I don't think people are as conscious of the uh, the the fact that they're uh, not speaking right into the microphone because everybody in the room could hear them without a mic. Uh, stepped up just behind the stage is uh, Gene Wu who is the most open-bordered uh, um, Asian descent, uh, wants everybody in here all the time for free. This guy has got, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you what his plan is for the state, but he wants completely open borders. And uh, other comments he's made in committee hearings, the guy is, <laughs> the guy is no good. Who keeps putting Wu in there? I... Uh, I would call him a racist, but, you know, that'd be really mean to call someone a racist. So I'm not going to call him a racist because that would just be, you know, but he might be. But um, anyway, the I, I've never heard anything come out of Gene Wu's mouth that made any sense or I thought was uh, any any good whatsoever at all. Um, and so 
today's the day. Check in on it. Folks, we're going to take a short break. I know this has been a little bit different. We're going to take a short break. Jonathan Science is going to be calling in. He has been appearing in a court um, about a judge who is being forced to do a same-sex marriage here in the state of Texas, believe it or not. Y'all stay tuned, and we'll be right back. He owns the largest collection of do-rags in Gillespie County. He's Matt Long. Born to be The Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back, and I have on the line with me right now Mr. Jonathan Science, and he is um, in court, I do believe, as we speak right now, uh, um, defending a, a judge on a very interesting case. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Matt. Good to be with you. And uh, so tell us what's going on today. What are you doing? I thought we were all past this junk here in Texas. Right. I'm at the Texas Supreme Court. There's a case before the court regarding a judge in Texas who was reprimanded for defending her religious freedom rights to not be forced to perform a marriage that violates her conscience, particularly a same-sex marriage. You know, there are judges all over the state that are in others that are willing to perform same-sex marriages, and so there's no reason that specific judges should be forced to do that against their will and religious beliefs. We even have state law on this, but um, for some reason, the um, State Commission on Judicial Conduct has continued to press this issue, and um, so we submitted a brief at the Texas Supreme Court supporting the religious freedom rights on this issue. The uh, judge is from Central Texas. She is being represented by First Liberty Institute, Kelly Shackford's organization. And so we're going to be in court today. Jonathan Mitchell is presenting the argument. And um, we submitted a brief in support of the judge's religious freedom rights. Uh, but we're also doing a, a bulk of the media work on this issue to make sure people know what's going on. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we hear stories like this and we go, wait a minute, didn't we just pass a law? And then, and you mentioned that, but the the um, mentioned to us this this council judicial review council. Would you tell us about them? Because it seems to me, just from what you said, that they may be the ones behind uh, pushing against this law. Well, there's no question that the um, commission on judicial conduct is the guilty party here, in my opinion, and they're seeking to reprimand, punish, and some way just have something negative reflected against this judge, which can be you know, really damaging to your legal career and could be used as a, you know, something that's built upon uh, to force a judge out of that position. And also it sends the message that, you know, there, there's something improper or that a judge, you know, is somehow not fit to serve because they have certain religious beliefs. And, you know, our Texas Constitution is clear we don't have a religious test in order to serve in a state government position. And so... You know, but look, you got to go to court sometimes and make sure people know that you're serious about these issues. And so that's what we're here today. You know, we've been one of the leaders for, you know, over a decade protecting the rights of people who have biblical beliefs when it comes to marriage. Um, we led the effort to pass the pastor protection law and other laws that are in place. Uh, but sometimes people think that they can get away with, with violating the law. So we're here to make sure that it's protected. So the, tell me this uh, Commission on Judicial Conduct. 
um, is they are they appointed? Are they? Um, I can't. I don't think I've ever voted for one. Are they appointed? How long do they get to serve? <laughs> How can we replace them when they start acting this way? Yeah, I'm. I, I'm not entirely sure how all of them find themselves in that position. Uh, I imagine that the governor's office has a role in that, but I don't think that they're the exclusive uh, entity and so on that that decides who's on those positions. And we'll take a look at that. I'll put something out about their terms. Um, you know, these are usually two, four, or six year terms when you see people that are quitting these positions. And um, but you, you know, look, a lot of people aren't aware of these t- this form of government. But this is state government. And so, look, we're a state that supports religious freedom. We have state laws on these issues, and they need to be followed. And so I'm hoping that other leaders in state government will see that this case is going on. And, you know, I'd love to see them choose to express their public support and concern on this case. And it's really an issue that's been going on for a while. It's bumped around a little bit. And so we're hoping the Texas Supreme Court does the right thing on this issue. But, you know, I've been out there for over a decade being one of the leaders to protect marriages between a man and a woman. Yeah, and uh, your group, uh, Jonathan's group, is txvalues.org. You can get more information <coughs> there. It's Texas Values, txvalues.org, txvaluesaction.org. Uh, lots of great information there. Um, uh, Jonathan, I want to get back to this this case. It just... Uh, you know, we watched this going on in Colorado with, uh, you know, m- m- bake a cake, you bigot. Um, and I, it is, I guess, I guess we all know that this is persecution going after specific people. Is there, is the idea that if they push against this enough times that it'll get, uh, it'll get overturned by a judge? Is that the attempt? Because it just seems to me you'd go, you'd go to another judge or go to another cake baker. Yeah. I think that that's been the goal all along for a lot of people is to force people to believe the way that other people believe and to, you know, to ban the Bible, to uh, make it illegal for you to have biblical beliefs on marriage. And if you know, you're going to be punished or, you know, you're going to be um, called out in public and, you know, sort of cast aside and, and just uh, make it difficult for people to, you know, to have any livelihood and, and to really change the narrative on a lot of these issues in the culture. And so we told people this is what would happen if, you know, if the Supreme Court struck down our marriage laws, which is what they did. Now, not this current Supreme Court. There were different right. members on the court at the time. But, you know, they pulled that decision away from the state, similar to what Roe versus Wade did in the 1970s. But now they say this swing back to where the court is saying, you know what, this is not our issue to decide. And so, you know, I don't think that the, the issue of marriage is, um, is something that we should consider settled. I do think there are a lot of people around the country that think we should not be punished for those views. And so, but you see the other side pushing these issues. You know, Jack Phillips having to go up to the Supreme Court so he's not forced to bake a cake that goes against his beliefs. You know, website designers, photographers, all these people that are, you know, when people can go to someone else being forced to participate in these type of things that violate their beliefs. It's just not American. And so, but that's how people are misusing these laws when they go into effect. And so we make it clear. The Supreme Court was clear on this, I felt, in the decision regarding same-sex marriage that, you know, people might have different views on this, but, you know, the religious belief and belief at all that marriage is between a man and a woman is not an illegal view in our country. And so you have the right to defend your belief on that and not be punished. <laughs> 
So um, there are, um, in Texas, we have two Supreme Courts, and I think a lot of people are not aware of that. I may even have it wrong. We do have two Supreme Courts in Texas. Is this true, and what's the difference between them? Yeah, and I'm actually standing right in between the two of them. One is the Texas Supreme Court. They handle civil cases at the highest level for the state, and then the Court of Criminal Appeals, which handles criminal cases at the highest level, and not everybody gets to those gets a chance to be in front of those courts. I mean, it's uh, limited jurisdiction, if you will. You have to make the request. Um, you get one appeal at the intermediate level, but you don't get an automatic appeal to the Texas Supreme Court Court of Criminal Appeals. But all these people are elected, you know, that are on these positions. Um, they're all Republicans, you know, all of them on both sides. There's nine are majority Republicans. So you think, you know, considering what the Republican views on these issues, that an issue like this would be very simple. And it would be easy to get at least a majority to support the religious view of um, not being forced to perform or be involved in a marriage that violates your beliefs. But that's why we continue to show up on these issues. That's why we've got three people in our team that have law degrees and have that legal background. And we need to you know, pull this tool from the toolbox. We can. And as you know, we're in the middle of a special session. So yeah. uh, I'm over here at the Texas Supreme Court right across the plaza at the Texas Capitol where our policy team is. Um, you know, we're working on issues in different parts of the state. We're educating people about the elections that are starting this week. A lot of local elections are happening this week. There are constitutional amendments on the ballot. And so there are a variety of things that our organization's involved in this week. Yeah, y'all are busy. A lot of overtime pay, I'm assuming, for everybody. Uh, we were just uh, playing some of the audio from the uh, press conference that's going on uh, right now at the Capitol, uh, Nieve Criado has uh, pulled together a bunch of the progressives and is having a press conference on how horrible these um, uh, 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 immigration bills are going to be. Can you make any predictions today on uh, what's happening on the Texas floor? Do you think that there's going to be a big fight on these uh, immigration bills today, or do you think this is going to be a move-on-through day? Well, look, here's my view on this. The governor's made it clear the top issue of the special session is parental rights and education freedom. And so these other issues matter too, but I don't think you're going to see a lot of um, finality on them unless the House decides that they want to get serious about passing school choice. The Senate has already done something. You know, the view is the House is taking a little bit longer. There are other issues like protecting employers and employees from having forced vaccine mandates, which Texas Act supports. Mm-hmm. I hope those issues move, and we've been supportive of them and other issues, but um, the school choice issue has been the biggest issue. And border security is important. Don't right. get me wrong. It's not an issue we specifically work on as an organization, but I understand the value of it, and I know that the Republicans want to get something done. I just think that this is an indication that the House um, and other members are trying to find a way to avoid dealing with the school choice issue. And so I think the governor's pretty serious about this, and I think there are a lot of House members that want to get something done. The question is whether or not leadership will allow them to in the Speaker's office and others, and I'm not sure that they're real supportive of some of this. So, you know, know, both chambers, and particularly the House, can spend time on other issues, but until they focus on school choice, I don't think any of this stuff is likely to move. Okay. So even if it does, it's not going to. It's not going to get to the governor's desk, um, mm-hmm. and um, and the governor is going to make it clear. You know, he's not going to spend a lot of time working on these issues until school choice gets done. 
Well, I've already made my prediction. I think we're going to get through this uh, third special session with nothing on school choice. That's just my gut feeling, and I have no more uh, powers to predict the future than any <laughs> anyone else. What's your well, if, no, I mean, what, what's your prediction? No, I mean it's certainly leaning in that direction, and it's disappointing, right? The Senate has worked very hard, and many House members have too. I'm not trying to, you know. Um, make these conclusions in, in regards to all House members, but right. I do think it's fair to say that uh, the leadership over in the House, whoever that is, if you want to name names or whatever, the Speaker and those those others um, have, have not seemed to get focused on this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the governor's very clear he'll call another special session, and he said he'll start you know, working to, I guess, campaign against some of these folks. He said he'll take it to the, to the ballot box or to the voters. I guess that's what he means. Um, but, you know, I'd like to see us avoid all that and, and get some good things done for kids. I mean, the polling is so strong for Republicans and Democrats on school choice. Very other states have already done this. It's not like Texas is going to be the first or it's some kind of new idea. It's been tested and worked in so many places. And so, you know, look, I mean, um, in all the challenges we see in public school these days, people want choices. You yeah. know, and so if you like your public school, stay there. Yeah. But a lot of people are not happy with that. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic, but, um, but I think you're right. I mean, it's leaning in the direction that we'll have to go to another special session. All right, Jonathan, it's been great to visit with you. I appreciate it. We're having, I've got a caller lined up right behind you. Um, our yeah. Fredericksburg Independent School District is already starting to act up. They've, uh, we're having issues with our shack, and uh, so... Um, we'll keep you up to date on that. Our uh, uh, FISD is really starting to misbehave with their uh, new shack. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Okay. Have a rough day. We'll okay. All right. There you go, folks. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we're going to get um, Tara on the line with me. Y'all stay tuned. Teacher and activist. In an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone. And your host. Anyone? Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Anyone? All right, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. We are your uh, information station, trying to cover as many things as we can from the state level down to the local level. The shack, the uh, the Fredericksburg Independent School District shack, which is the student health advisory. Tara, is it committee or council? What do they call it? It's actually the school health advisory council. The school health advisory council. Okay, and yes, tell, tell us what the job of shack is. Well, good morning, Matt. Good morning. Um, if you don't, if you don't know what the shack is, um, you should. Um, every school district in the state of Texas has to have a shack, and um, the shack's primary responsibility is um, well. Actually, the board of trustees of each school district. I'm reading a quote from twenty-eight point zero zero four in the Texas Education Code. They establish a local shack. Um, to assist the district in ensuring that local community values are reflected in the district's health education instruction. So it's very important our legislators uh, put this little caveat in 28.004 to make sure that when it comes to health education, sex education, mental health, 
that the community's values should be reflected in the instruction, the programs, everything that happens inside the school. So that's why we have a shack. Okay, and uh, tell us how the shack is created. It's We don't get to vote on it, so how is it created? Well, um, if I could, I'd like to do a quick uh, catch-up on that. We did have a shack last year um, for a little bit over a year. Um, I was a part of that shack along with other parents um, and community members, and we were we had the, the very hard task of selecting a sex education curriculum and and a health book for the school district for our eighth graders mostly, but also in sixth grade. And uh, we had to go through and dig through all of the health uh, new health books that you know all these curriculum writers wrote, and we actually chose uh, one sex education. Health book, uh, sex education workbook, and then we chose a health book. Um, and I don't know if people remember, but last summer we weren't real happy about the health book that's currently in eighth grade at Fredericksburg Middle School that teaches our children that there are breastfeeding people and pregnant people. Um, a lot of concerned parents. We didn't want that. We don't want that indoctrination and that and the switching of the words, not using woman or not using mother. Um, we tried to fight that. We lost that battle, unfortunately. But we did get a decent um, uh, sex education curriculum. And parents can always, you know, opt into that material if they want to or not or if they want to teach it at home. Um, but unfortunately, this summer, late in the summer, our school district, Fredericksburg ISD, decided to dismantle that stack. And, um, you know, me, as, you know, I'm a parent in town here. I'm also the Texas Ambassador for Moms for Liberty. So we are very active in the schools, and we watch and we see why decisions are made. Um, I don't think it was a coincidence that our school board and superintendent decided to dismantle that track, and they decided to create a new one, and that's what they did. About a month ago, they chose, um, they hand-chose their own seven people, the school board did, and um, it's concerning to us because not one Moms for Liberty member was selected, even though several of us um, tried to get on there, or any other outspoken parents that have expressed concerns or raised red flags. So with that being said, um, you know, we questioned the intent of that. They just talked about bringing in pediatric health clinic into the elementary school. They're talking about bringing a mental health clinic to the middle school. So is that why that our district wanted to go ahead and, you know, quickly create a new shack so those things would get pushed through quickly? Because we are questioning that stuff. We think public education was created for academics only. We don't think that, you know, our public schools are part of the government. We don't think our government should be handling other things like health care and mental health care. We want them to stay laser focused on academics raise our failing test scores, and uh, give our children the best education as possible. Mm. So this shack that was just kind of dissolved out of the blue, they just tore it down. How many How many members were on that shack committee? Well, it started, it was a lot. It's because pretty much everybody that signed up was put on there. It was 24, I think. It was right. too big. Yeah. So I'm not against you know, getting it down smaller to something like seven or more. Um, but it was just the way it was done. My two-year my two-year term was not um, up yet. And yeah. so it was just so fast and furious. And it was, like I said, it was right after 
they started talking about these clinics in the um, at a board meeting in July. Um, and so, you know, I was suspicious. They just spoke at a school board meeting about that, questioning why they did that. And, you know, unfortunately, I think um, my suspicions, along with many others, uh, were correct because we do have a staff meeting uh, this Thursday, the first one with this new seven-member board. And um, on the agenda right there is uh, mental health, uh, tele-mental tele health. So it won't even be somebody in person that our children will be speaking to. It looks like it'll be via, you know, the phone or Zoom or something like that. But they're voting to uh, approve that to present to the board in December to bring into our schools. Mm. You know, a lot of people, and, and I'm going to play a little bit of the devil's advocate, so don't don't be throwing anything at me. But you know, we hear a lot of <laughs> we hear a lot of people say that. In fact, it's we've been saying it for years that. One of the biggest issues we have in this uh, country is mental health issues. Uh, in fact, it's probably triggering all kinds of things. So why would you not want some mental health in the schools, Tara? Come on. I know, right? Well, right. like I said before, we totally um, think that it is the parent's right and their responsibility to be over their child's health care. Um, when your child is sick, the last thing they want to do is go to school without their parents, see a doctor, and um, and or, or even if they're if they're you know ill, sick, or if they're mentally ill, you know why are we sending our children to school without their parents in the room to just to discuss their mental health to be diagnosed at school? And again, when our schools are taking their eye off academics, okay, when we're taking away instructional time to go to the doctor or have our psychiatric, you know, visit with our uh, psychiatrist. When we are doing that, our children's education is suffering. And then you hear the other side to say, well, we can't teach the kids unless, you know, they're mentally healthy. That mental health word uh, phrase is thrown around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But if that's the parent, that's where the parent comes in. The school district can refer the parent to, you know, hopefully local Corville, San Antonio, areas where they can go take care of their children's mental health and their health care. So our children aren't losing instructional time. We've seen the stories. You know, I recently did a video, um, a video podcast with some California chapter chairs, and um, they're telling us what is happening in California, okay? Mm -hmm. Our children are uh, 12 and over can consent to mental health um, services in California right now. It was signed into law. I mean, when we're opening this door of throwing something else on top of our schools, on top of the government to be responsible for and take the focus on academics, our children's academics and their education is only going to suffer. And so that's why we think leave schools how they were created, focus on the academics, and let parents handle the rest. That's our job. I've got a list of questions for you, so we're going to have to have you back on. But I do want to ask you one thing I brought up. Oh, in your email, folks, you can get uh, – um, tell tell your people how they can get your emails because I'm looking at the one that you sent out. Uh, I don't know. How late did you stay up Monday night? I think you sent it out in the <laughs> mid middle, middle of the night, but I'm looking at that right now. How, did, how do people get that email because it is so informative? Well, I'm, you know, a busy mama, and so I fit things in when I can, but we have a great team working for the parents and for the students here in Fredericksburg. 
Um, but we want everybody to join and at least get on our newsletter, join us as a member. Um, but, Matt, before I go into that, I need to say something very, very important about the Shack meeting on Thursday. Go okay? for it. It's all the, yours. Go for it. Um, on Shack on Thursday, something very concerning happened, and it seems to be a pattern for the school district. Mm. Uh, Fredericksburg ISD is excluding and silencing parents yet again. We already cannot cannot speak at a school board meeting um, unless it's something written on the agenda. So if you want to talk about something that's not on their hand-picked agenda, good luck. You can't do it. They won't let you speak. Um, the Shack agenda was released, I believe it was it was Monday afternoon, and lo and behold, they have moved public comments to the very end of the meeting. Of course, that greatly concerns us because, to me, that tells me as a parent that they don't care about what I say, they don't want to listen to what I say, they don't want to hear facts from anyone else except what they're being fed there at FISD. So after they talk about this T-Chat, this mental health um, program that our children are going to, that, that is going to help identify and access behavioral health needs of students. That's what, that's what this is, okay? Before anyone can speak from the public and raise any red flags or give literature and say, hey, read this, this is... This, Please listen to us. Before any of that, they're already going to vote. And so they're going to just bypass what the community concerns are and just move on and vote. And at the very end, we get to speak, which is kind of pointless at that at that time, right? Yeah. Why are we speaking? We've already voted. So that's my biggest concern. That's what I'm trying to tell people. I will be coming out with another um, statement. I've got to work with my team, and we'll come up with something. But if you can show up at the SAC meeting on Thursday, the administration building at 430, um, go see what's going on there for sure. But the quickest way to get to me, if you want, if you don't know how to join as a member, or if you have questions, email me at Tara, T-A-R-A, at MomsForLiberty.org. Um, our website for Moms for Liberty is MomsForLiberty.org. Um, you can click join the site and become at least a national member so you get our national um, emails. And then you can select Gillespie County if you'd like to get um, on our email list and get our newsletter. Go to our website um, and just join so you know, so you know what is happening because we need everybody engaged and involved here. There's just not enough people going to school board meetings or calling the board or emailing, and we can't change any of this. And uh, we're going to be turning into Austin ISD if we don't stop this this role from coming in, Matt. I'm looking at the um, the agenda that you sent me, um, and uh, I want to mention uh, Frontera because that was in your email. Um, Frontera, are they still a possibility of coming into our schools? Is that over with? Um, are they, uh, I don't see anything that says Frontera on this agenda. Where are we with Frontera? Well, Frontera, um, we had our district social worker do a presentation in July um, promoting um, and requesting that they come in and bring the pediatric clinic in the elementary and a mental health clinic in the middle school. We did, you know, rally the troops and we said, guys, this is why this isn't good. And you can see in that email, we really, really explained why. And there's so many other reasons why. Um, and so then Frontera did come. Very nice people. It's never personal against doctors or nope. facilities. Nope. It's the com combination of 
public schools bringing yet something else on and putting something else on top of teachers and administrators and everything. We want to keep those things separate. We don't want to circumvent parental rights. So at this time, um, you know, I haven't heard anything else from Frontera, but there's, they've also opened other local clinics um, just surrounding Gillespie County. Um, I heard of two more this week, and I can't remember who they are, but I know Mason uh, Board voted for that, and then there's two more that really aren't that far away, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting which ones they are. So don't expect that that's going away. We have to stay on that. We have to email our board members our concerns. We can't just sit there and rant and rave or go on the Matt Long radio show. You have to do something. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's being a joyful warrior like we are at Moms for Liberty. We don't, you know, scream and yell or anything like that, but we give them facts and we show them the truth and we tell them why this is a bad idea. Mm. All right. Tara Patch with uh, Moms for Liberty, the Texas ambassador. Did they give you a cool cape or a, or a, 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 a scepter or anything for being the ambassador? Man, I wish. That would make my life a lot easier. Yeah, it would. They take would. good care of us. Yeah. We love our family. Join us. They, We're so, as somebody texted me last night, they're like, I love our Moms for Liberty family. I have um, a, a, somebody out in San Antonio that's going through some stuff right now, and thank goodness we're not San Antonio ISD or anything else yet, but it's coming. So we've mm. got to start standing up, and we've got to, because once it's here, Matt, we can't get it out. That's right. Tara at MomsForLiberty.org. Send her an email if you want to get under her email list. Go to MomsForLiberty.org. There's a great big map of the country. You can click on Texas and then scoop down into Gillespie County, and it will give you all the information you need to hook up with our local Moms for Liberty. Tara, thank you so much, and uh, keep up the fight and take care of your boys. All right. Thanks, sir. All right. There we go, Tara Petch, and um, we've got to support these folks that are doing this. We can't leave them hanging out there alone. It is such a lonely fight when you go to, and, and Tara especially because this is so local and is such an impact on, well, in, in whoever stands up there, whoever makes a, 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 a talk at the school board, there everybody in the community knows them. And this is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of people who are standing on the sidelines who agree with Tara, who agree with me, who agree with uh, uh, with what with with our viewpoints, but will not speak up. They're even afraid to go to the meetings. And I've had people tell me this, Matt. If I speak up, I'm going to lose more friends. People will get mad at me. I've had people say that to me. Um, this is. You, you, we need to stop and think, is the future of our children, the future of our kids, what we're leaving them and what we're putting them into in the school, is it more important than someone who, if, if, if you've got a friend that's going to blow you off for this, then I don't think you really have that. That's not really a friend. That's an acquaintance, and uh, you need to clear those people out of your life, period. Folks, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Man, I've been an interesting day. We've got an attorney in front of the uh, Supreme Court of Texas who called in to uh, give us an update on what he's uh, doing right now. He was in the hallway 
up there. That's why he uh, kind of talks real quietly. I think we had him on last week, and he was talking a little too loud, and they came out and scolded him. But um, so when Jonathan signs or when people like that, it would have been so easy for him to say, Matt, I've, I'm going to be in court all morning. Um, but he wanted to tell you about what's going on. We still having this issue with same-sex marriages. We're still having the issue with our local school boards. Um, there is the issue we see at the, the local school boards and what I have heard, and we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating, and that is that those of us on the conservative side who want our kids to have to be able to read and write and and uh, and know history and be able to balance a checkbook. Yeah, I know that shows how old I am. Be able to do some simple math, right? Um, what was it? Uh, the state of Oregon. I heard this morning on the uh, national uh, news. The state of Oregon has decided they're just going to drop all their reading and writing uh, standards uh, for graduating from high school. So in Oregon, um, they're just not going to have any more reading and writing, and I think there was a third standard in there as well. They just eliminated that. We go ahead. You graduate from high school. You don't know how to. Re- you don't know how to read. That's all right. We can graduate you from high school. Send you on to. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, send them on to Oregon State after they graduate high school in Oregon without being able to read and write, and then send them over to my alma mater. Um, where I'm sorry, but they'll just twist them and make them even worse. Um, I got out of Oregon as soon as I could. and um, But, yeah, I did live in Oregon for uh, nine years. I uh, went to college there, and all my bestest buddies and friends are there. But they've done the same thing. They've lowered their standards. Those of us who are fighting to keep all of this are very few and far between. Uh, we can't even get enough people into a school board meeting to force them to move into a bigger um, meeting room. If uh, if every single school board meeting, every single school board meeting or shack meeting, if there were more parents and, and community members outside that could not get into the building, that would force the police to come up there and say, there's too many people in here, that would make someone call the fire department to make sure that we can get some people out of here. If that happened at every single meeting without a fail, at some point they would have to say, all right, we're going to obviously we have more uh, community input than we've ever had before, so we're going to have to change and move into a bigger facility, but they're not going to do that until they see that they have to do that. And I'm going to say the thing that makes everybody mad when I say this. We are a minority. The conservative Christians in the Hill Country who are trying to get our kids a good education are a minority. We're a tiny minority. And I know I hear it all the time, but Mr. Long, we're not a minority. And it's funny because Lots of times when they say that, they're whispering it to me. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, if you have to whisper it, then you are a minority. We're acting like a minority. Until we get together and act at like a majority, all right, until the school board and the shack sees that um, 
we're not the minority and that we are taking an interest and and are willing to work and show up at these meetings until they see that we're still going to be a minority i'm sorry and they call us the 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 extreme the kooky minority the oh the new term is cavers we're the caves concerned let's see what is it concerned uh i can't remember now what it is cave concern something against virtually everything citizens against virtually everything in the latest um it was a uh, one one of the teachers uh, gatherings uh this uh, recently that was the topic of a number of the uh, uh, discussions was how to deal with the cave people the cavers citizens against virtually everything they're talking about us you know that's who they're talking about and we're not against everything we're just against a few things that they're trying to push and they're getting pushback so they're going to call us the minority they're going to call us the far right they're going to call us cavers They're going to do all of those things, and the sad part about it is that that name-calling will work for so many people. They'll say, well, I don't want to be called a name. I don't want people to think I'm one of those, and they're just going to sit at home. They'll pat you on the back at church and tell you thank you for fighting, but they're not going to step out of line. They don't want to lose their place. And so while our world goes to hell in a handbasket and Lorraine wants to know who's making the dadgum handbasket um, we're we're uh, sitting at home because we're afraid to lose our place in society we're afraid of someone getting mad at us we're afraid of losing a friend folks if you lose a friend over this I don't know how much of a friend that was and um, whether you chose them or they chose you, you need to take a look at that. Maybe these are people you need to get out of your life. Folks, uh, pray, pray, pray. And um, we'll see y'all manana.